Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Okay, before we dive into this interview, I want to talk to you all about NutriSense and their continuous glucose monitors. It's something that both Jen and I have done a couple times now, and I think the information that you gather from it can be so incredible on how certain foods you eat react with your blood sugar. Again, this isn't something that you might do your entire life, but I think the information that you can just gather from doing it for a month or two months empowers you to make different food decisions for your entire lifetime. One of the favorite things I learned, I'm a smoothie bowl guy and I love to have smoothie bowls for breakfast. But when I ate a smoothie bowl as the first thing after I woke up, it would spike my blood glucose. Uh-oh, big problem because I'm not going to go without my smoothie bowls. However, the dietitian help, you have a dietitian who can communicate back and forth with you and give you tips and tricks. She said, why don't you try eating something with just a little more protein, fat, and fiber maybe 20, 30 minutes before you have your smoothie bowl. So I did that. I had an avocado with some beans and an egg, and then I would have my smoothie bowl and it flattened the glucose spike completely. And again, I'm not using the NutriSense now, but I continue to have that knowledge to make different food choices in the future. It's about getting the knowledge that empowers you to make slightly different behaviors and optimize your health. And the benefit is if you go down to the link in the show notes, which is NutriSense.io backslash optimal body and use code optimal body at checkout. You can get $30 off any NutriSense subscription and also get a free month of the dietitian help. So I would recommend going and trying that out and getting this information to empower your health decisions. Excited to have on the podcast, we have Dr. Laura Morgan Lee, who is a MD, a board certified sports medicine doctor, and a former professional team doctor who, after her own pregnancy and postpartum journey, realized that traditional medical care was simply put failing mothers. And so leveraging her career experience with athletes, she's turned to focus on providing the education and empowerment one needs from expecting to years after baby. The vision is clear. She wants to bridge the gap to elevate the traditional way medicine is delivered for mothers the same way we care for athletes. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. I love that she talks about her own journey and what you can start doing to feel empowered through your own journey. Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. It's exciting to be able to have a sports medicine doctor on here and actually, you know, talking about some of these really hot topics when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum and just getting to know your journey a bit more. I'm really excited to have you here. So thank you. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you for having me, Jen and I'm, I'm so excited to be here and share more of that story, like you said, and kind of hopefully get some good information and education out to your audience. Yeah. And so I think that the thing that I'm fascinated by is, you know, your sports medicine doctor, you've worked with the highest levels of athletes in the NBA, the NHL, Division One sports. What really made you passionate about bringing that wealth of knowledge about sports medicine and athletics into the space of pregnancy and postpartum? 
That is a fantastic question and kind of the whole basis of my story and my idea and what I'm trying to do. So thank you so much for asking. Um, as you said, I am a board certified sports medicine doctor, which means I did, you know, medical school, residency, fellowship, all kind of targeting and taking care of high level athletes, taking care of professionals, um, weekend warriors, people that want to be active, healthy, wellness driven. That's that's what kind of has driven me throughout my whole early part of my career. Um, I moved a couple times in there and got a couple really good opportunities, as you mentioned as well, with like the NBA and the NHL and just kind of continued to grow that excitement about what I was doing. But then something happened. And usually, as you know, with these things, it's something that happens that's very personal to you that strikes a chord <laughs> and and makes you want to do something, right? Or makes, yeah. you, makes you just feel something in a different way. Um, and that is my daughter. So um, in 2020, um, the year that we all want to forget, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was in Los Angeles working um, at an amazing opportunity with Keck Medicine of USC with the LA Kings and really loving it. The landscape changed. My husband is also in orthopedics. Um, he's an orthopedic trauma surgeon. Mm. His opportunity changed a little bit as well um, with the pandemic and kind of life and everything happening. We got married that year and we found out I was pregnant. So we relocated to Phoenix, Arizona. I didn't get a job right away because of the whole like, you know, growing a human and having a baby thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of big, Jen, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of a big thing, right? It is. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I did all the things to prepare for her. You know, I, I'm a doctor, right? I, I know what to read. And I read all the books and I followed all the people on social media. And I did all the things. When she came home from the hospital, I was like, okay, I got this. I know how to breastfeed. I know how to care for her. And I realized very quickly after having uh, heard that I had no idea really how to take care of myself. Mm. That was the gap. That was the thing that I forgot to read about or the forgot to understand. Um, and you know, I had a C-section because she was persistently breached. So I had this, you know, incision in this wound. And I even have a pelvic surgeon for a husband. So he, you know, it's not like I didn't have access to the right information. But the beginning was just overwhelming and difficult and hard. And it wasn't necessarily just taking care of her. Of course, that was difficult. But it was taking care of me and knowing what to do. And then, you know, I kind of muddled through those first few weeks in survival mode, as most new parents do. And I went back for my checkups with my OBGYN, who I absolutely love. And at my six-week appointment, she kind of gave me the thumbs up and said, cool, see ya. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? Like, this is where modern healthcare leaves us? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I wasn't peeing myself. I had a healthy baby. My wound was finally healing that after some early complications with it. But, I mean, I couldn't walk upstairs without almost falling over. Mm -hmm. I was weak. I had no concept of how to return to things like wellness exercise, how to care for my body. You know, it just spent the last 10 months growing a human being. And at six weeks postpartum, you know, the traditional healthcare system kind of says, cool. Yep. And, and that's you, where it stops. Did you get referred out to anyone? Like, did you tell them about, you know, some of these issues that you were having and feeling so weak in your body and anything like that? Did they, did they make any recommendations? Yeah, I mean, from fairly early on in my pregnancy, um, we moved when I was about 12 weeks pregnant. So my first visit with my OBGYN, I was like, hi, I want postpartum physical therapy. <laughs> like from day one, I knew that was something that was going to be a part of my uh, my care as a, as a person that prescribes physical therapy constantly in what I do. Um, and so I did. I did postpartum um, pelvic floor based physical therapy, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot. But again, after about a few weeks, I, I would say that my my physical therapist who worked in the hospital system kind of was like, okay, you're doing great. You can just keep doing what you're doing. And eventually, everybody kept saying, you know, eventually, you know, just it takes time. But there's no direct education or targeted metrics. There's no feedback. There's no like, it's going to take time, but we'll see you in another two weeks. And here's X, Y, Z, what I want you to think about or what I want you to accomplish. Or there's no kind of guided experience 
in, you know, wellness, movement education, fitness, in how to return to function, you know. So you go from early postpartum where I was like legitimately crying on the bathroom floor. How am I going to get in and out of my bed? There's no information given on what to do there to after your six-week postpartum visit, even with hospital-directed rehab that I had going, how am I ever going to run again? You know, I've always been an active person, a person that, you know, really believes in this clearly with my career. This is something that is is extremely passionate to me. And I was like, what am I going to do? Mm. And then it clicked. And and this is the point that I'm I'm getting at is I was like, what if what if I started to treat myself postpartum in this journey the way I treat these athletes mm. Mm. and taking some of the concepts right and applying not just for professionals or but like you know they have injuries too they have setbacks but they have this whole team of people that care for them what Mm -hmm. if i treated myself the way i would treat them yeah i mean it's it's a novel concept that once your body goes through (laughs) something that's going to require a degree of healing and rehabilitation that you actually get that and you actually have that set up in in place and i i feel like i've heard this kind of comparison often where somebody say in athletics tears their acl or you know, dislocates their shoulder. Like there's a plan and there's a protocol and you're mm-hmm. going through the stages of rehab. And then I've, I've heard the comparison to pregnancy. Okay. Then s- someone goes through something like pregnancy, which in many cases, you know, um, results in a degree of trauma to the body and to the structures that are pivotal to movement and everyday life. And we have a six week appointment <laughs> and a six week follow-up and very little is done to help that, you know, person who just went through this process of labor and birthing um, to work their way back. So, what, what do you, th- how can we start to fill this gap? What do you think are the missing pieces that we should start to install for mamas who go through birth? Yeah, I think, Dom, you're spot on with that. I actually, uh, I read something that said, trauma is anything that happens too much, too soon, too fast, or too long. So, by definition, any birth, even if it is a quote-unquote easy birth, which I think no birth is easy, by the way, but even if it is a normal kind of healthy birth, it's traumatic. You know, think about the fluid shifts that happen when you are pregnant and have a baby. Think about what happens, like you said, afterwards with like hormone shifts and the sweating and the lack of sleep. It is so many parallels to injury things like an ACL, right? There are so many things that happen that are very similar when you you think about an athlete versus with a pregnant patient. So what do you do, right? So essentially, Actually, I'm going to throw this one back at you, Jen. Like, how many appointments have you had, do you think, so far in your pregnancy? Um, And how many of those have been wellness education delivery or education about how to to move, um, things like that? You know, I I would say going with my, with the PA, actually, she really encouraged exercise. She really encouraged, you know, whatever you were doing before. She didn't give me education. So I kind of had to know what I was doing for exercise, which Mm -hmm. I'm grateful to know. But she did encourage me to continue whatever you were doing before, continue now, you know, and I, and I did appreciate at least that kind of education instead of, oh, don't exercise or, or be careful lifting weights or anything like that. She, she really encouraged that. And then I'm with a midwife now. And so now switching to getting education on, well, how is your, how are you getting up and down? How are you sitting? What's your posture like? What are positions that you're doing throughout the day? She has really upped the education, I would say, yeah. in in me needing to know my body a little bit better. That's fantastic. And yeah. you've probably been, you know, what, 10, 15 times, you know, throughout this pregnancy to a provider in general, right? There's, yeah. a, there's a lot. I think healthcare it's a healthcare problem, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. It's not an OB problem. It's not a midwife problem. It's a, right. it's a systemic problem. Right. 
Um, and it echoes a lot of the educational issues that we have with patients for any medical problem, right? It's not always wellness focused. It's usually disease focused and problem based. But for pregnancy, you go anywhere between 10 and 15 visits on average. In the postpartum phase, traditionally, it is one visit. Um, now, the American excuse me, the American College of Gynecology, the ACOG, has actually made some newer recommendations. And again, I'm not an OB, but their recommendations are starting to turn, which is positive, mm-hmm. that people should be followed, you know, as early as three weeks and as long as 12 weeks, depending on their specific, you know, problem or case uh, of the delivery and kind of how it went, if it was, you know, a C-section or if they had any complications. Um, but it's my fear that because of the way we have our system set up, those visits aren't going to be extremely wellness directed or movement directed. And it's not, again, the the provider's problem, it's the systemic problem. And the, uh, the sheer fact that a lot of those providers don't have the education in things like sports medicine and movement and understand the same things that you guys do as, as physical therapists to such a high degree, which is, you know, how the body kind of functions from a functional standpoint. So do you feel like it would be pretty vital in the future, and hopefully guidelines start to shift a little quicker to integrate some sort of, you know, meeting with a movement specialist, whether that be a physical therapist or somebody who can start to educate on the basics and how we do start to rehabilitate the body after birth. Absolutely. I think those visits would be even helpful during pregnancy, right? As you, yes. as you go through your body changing, you, you know, you notice how much it changes and how your movement's physically have to change to function and to to be able to do even if you know your midwife Jen says you know maintain the type of level of exercise you're doing it's not always easy to do that and I think as providers we we both would have a special gift in our knowledge to be able to make appropriate modifications that maybe the average person that doesn't have that uh, learning and knowledge base wouldn't um, but I 100% agree Dom I think that you know Number one, postpartum physical therapy should be offered and encouraged to every pregnant patient ever. And Hmm. the understanding of why and giving them, you know, the resources to do it, which isn't always easy when you have a newborn. Um, Mm. But I don't think that's enough because postpartum physical therapy, um, it's usually going to be somewhat time limited or insurance limited based off of cost and access Mm. and all of those concerns. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my daughter is 19 months old now. And when I look back at the last couple of years, you know, at three months postpartum, I probably started to figure it out. That's when this whole idea of treating myself as an athlete that I take care of clicked. And then at six months, I was like, okay, I still have more to learn. I'm still nowhere near to functioning at my normal level. And I'll I'll avoid using, you know, bounced back because I think that is just not even the case at all. But I was not really functioning at my normal level, my my intended level. At 12 months, you know, maybe I started to hit my stride. You know, I, I tend to run for mental health and physical health. And I'd started to be able to pick back some miles. But I was still doing core rehab and focused rehab frequently because I still felt that I needed to do that. So it wasn't really until, you know, 16, 18 months that I kind of felt, you know, I'm going to air quote, which you can't see on a podcast, but (laughs) return to kind of function like my normal self. Mm. And so much of what I do is function based like that. It really takes that long. So maybe, you know, in addition to postpartum physical therapy, we talk about encouraging meeting with a movement specialist or working with someone like myself that understands, you know, both sides of this, you know, the OB, uh, you know, postpartum side, as well as the athletic side for six months, a year. You know, I don't have all the answers, but I know it's got to be better than what it currently is. I agree. I mean, even I had a girlfriend, she delivered in early November And, you know, as most mamas will put a mirror down there and said, hmm, that doesn't look normal. 
Um, I probably want to go see a pelvic floor therapist, but then couldn't get in until February. And so Mm -hmm. now we're going from, you know, after the six week appointment getting cleared. But what does that really mean? And and then having to wait so long just to have one appointment and who knows how many she can have after that. Again, insurance dependent, you know, money dependent. So it's it's so hard to say, oh, we're going to implement all these changes and everyone gets to have this information when that's really not the reality is that a lot of people don't get this information. And so are there better questions that we can ask at that six week follow up or things that, you know, should be checked? I know for a lot, what I hear a lot, I obviously haven't been through it, is that that six week appointment is super fast, super quick. Are they checking for things like diastasis, prolapse? Are they, you know, what what is really happening at that six-week appointment and what do you think needs to change? Yeah, that is spot on, Jen. I actually, in the community that I have on social media, I have heard from several patients that say, especially for subsequent babies, they just didn't even go to their six-week appointment wow. because they, they felt it was just a waste of their time. And that, as a mm-hmm. physician, makes me cry. Like, it makes yeah. me so sad because yeah. I know as healthcare providers, we have such valuable information that we can be providing. But the six-week appointment, in, this is in my personal opinion and my experience, is it's really based off of, one, they, you know, they make the joke that it's the contraception visit. It's basically to make mm-hmm. sure that you don't get pregnant again right away because we know the outcomes of someone who has subsequent pregnancies close together are worse. It's riskier. Um, and to check for like big complications and problems and mental health screens, which are usually done via questionnaire and out of the scope of this discussion today, but probably done in a not great way either. So really at that visit, it's focused on is anything going wrong? Because your OB or your provider is that's what they're there for, right? They're there to screen to make sure that you are functioning, you're healthy, you have a wound that's healing or you're, you know, whatever. But I didn't get a diastasis check Mm. at my postpartum visit. Um, You know, I got an incision check. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't get a, hey, can you move X, Y, or Z way? Um, And I think that is really commonly the case. There's an, it's, the system isn't set up for providers to be able to check for what I would consider wellness or movement or mm-hmm. nutrition or sleep or mental health or all of those parameters, which are actually the day-to-day experience that people have at home. You know, they're there and they're screening for the big bag scary things, which is fine and great because that needs to be done too. But that's the gap that I was talking about. And that's the gap that you guys see too, is there's there's something missing there. And, and Jen, you're spot on. Like, not everybody's going to be able to go to a pelvic trained physical therapist for multiple visits or has the means or the money or the time or the resources or the support of a partner. Like there's going to be a huge gap. Yeah. And that is why I'm turning to building a social media community around this um, because I need this message to reach as many people as possible. I am one person and I can only do, you know, so much, even if I bust my butt during a one day clinic or one day office, I can only reach so many. And then, you know, all of those things that are prohibitive blocks. So how can I get this education, get this information to as many people? And I know people need it. I know they need it because I needed it. So if I needed it, they have to need it, right? So like, how can I do that? And so I really turned to social media to try to build this community, build a group of people that can help educate each other and really grow and maybe start to fill this gap. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And if anyone out there is listening and is this is resonating with you saying, yes, I, I wanted more information during my experience, or I might be going through this sometime in the near future, you should definitely go on Instagram and check out at sports Dr. Morgan um, to start 
understanding a little bit more about what you should be aware of in those, you know, first six weeks or even, you know, before birth, starting to educate yourself. Um, and so, Dr. Morgan, if there is someone out there that's listening or in the scenario that someone's like, okay, yes, I understand going and seeing a professional or seeing a therapist um, would be, a gr you know, a great thing to do, but I don't have the means or I don't have the ability to, my insurance won't cover it financially, I'm just, just not there. What would you say are the low-hanging fruit that people can start to educate themselves on uh, on what they should start doing, either before birth or immediately afterwards? What what can people learn from a community like yours online that they can start doing on their own in home? That's a great question. Um, I think in pregnancy or before or any time that you are wanting to improve, you know, whatever function you have, understanding the concepts of slow return or a slow start to progress with sport or activity. So say you're newly pregnant and you've never really exercised before or regularly, but it's something you want to start. So number one is start low, go slow. You know, that's kind of the the old montage we use for most things. You don't want to jump back to trying like running a marathon. If you never ran by one before at that point, probably a really bad idea and you're probably going to fail and it's probably going to hurt and you're going to make yourself sad and it's, it's going to go the opposite direction that you want it to go. Right. So starting low, picking things that you enjoy, because if you pick things you enjoy, you're going to be more likely to do them and staying consistent with those activities. So if it's exercise that you're wanting to add in pregnancy, understanding how to move. Walking, great. Walking is great. Start doing some walking. Start adding a little bit each day. Adding in some mobility stuff, which I know you guys both love. Adding in some, you know, movement to kind of get your body functioning and moving in a, in a healthy way. And you can go to my social media, as you said, to get some specifics on that. Obviously, you guys have a wealth of, of access for people that um, want to learn more about those sort of things as well. When you're pregnant, also working on things for your pelvic floor is going to be super important because your pelvic floor becomes such a vital component of not only your pregnancy, but also your birth process and your postpartum experience. So learning how to cue into your uh, pelvic floor through things like diaphragmatic breathing, understanding how to relax and release your pelvic floor properly, knowing where your pelvic floor is and actually what mm -hmm. it is and how it moves and functions. Like I, I put up a video on social media a while back that was talking about this. And I had so many people message me and say, you know, like I've heard the word Kegels my whole life, but no one has ever really told me like, what my pelvic floor is or why I should care or what it's doing down there. Like, it does it need to be tight or loose when I have a baby? Like, what what does it do? And so those are the sort of things you can start to educate yourself on during pregnancy and early um, after birth. And then after birth, talking more towards that six-week postpartum and kind of what to do then. If you have been active before and during your pregnancy, slowly starting to re-engage some of the activities that you've done in the postpartum experience can be really beneficial, not just for your physical health, but also for your mental health. There's some really interesting data about athletes with concussion that if we take them out of their environment, so say we have a young athlete that gets a head injury and we, you know, told them initially, like, don't go to practice, don't go to sports, don't go to school, stay home, sit in your room in the dark. You know, these are the things that you need to do. And think about how similar that is to the new mom experience, right? Stay home, sit in the dark, take care of this tiny human. They actually do really poorly from a mental health standpoint. And they do better if you keep them in small pieces engaged in their normal quote unquote, normal lives as much as you can. So for the new mom that just had her baby, what can you do in little tiny bits to continue to engage yourself in your normal life? For me, literally the first time after I had Everett that I walked outside, Everett's my daughter, by the way, I, I walked outside as far as the curb in front of our house. I stretched my calves. 
I took a couple deep breaths and I walked back inside and that was my quote unquote exercise for that day. All right. So we're talking very low and very slow to start, but starting to integrate those activities, starting to integrate walking, breathing exercises, which will go back to that diaphragmatic breathing and pelvic floor that you learned about in pregnancy. And then really taking off from there on what do you enjoy? What can you do for five minutes, 10 minutes a day that will really bring mental health to you, physical health to you, things that are just like movement because you want to move, not because you're trying to, you know, get a PR or run a marathon or, or whatever. So really targeting in that early postpartum thing, things that make you feel good and that you can stay consistent with and remembering that you can do them in small little slow increments that build over time. Um, not getting discouraged because as someone who is active, it's probably going to happen. If you're like me, you're going to be crying on the floor of your closet one day thinking, what am I going to do? But you can, if you start in those little things, focusing on slow movement, bringing the exercises, and then really integrating over time, the things that you enjoy that you can do in small little increments and build from. I think that's so great. I mean, remembering that it's a process, remembering that it's a journey. It's incredibly hard mentally when you have been a certain way your entire life and then that suddenly shifts i mean it is a professional athlete who's gotten injured and needs to go wants to go back into yeah. sport you know it, yeah. it it is those those steps of okay how mentally can i be okay pulling myself back and and what can i do that still mimics you know what i ultimately want to do but isn't but is is taking that process is taking that care within my body i think that's so incredibly huge and, and I also want to talk a little bit more into, you know, the pregnancy part of things. I think there's still, no matter how many accounts are on social media and how many mamas continue to prove it, there's still a lot of fear with exercise in mm -hmm. pregnancy. Can you give a little information and education about, is it safe? What can we do? What should we be aware of? You know, if I was running, can I still run? If I was lifting, can I still lift? What are some parameters that you've kind of, you recommend? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that is spot on. You know, there is, there's kind of this like dichotomy. You know, you have this group of people that are saying, exercise in pregnancy, it's awesome. And then you have this other side of it. It's like, don't do anything. It's scary and bad. Yeah. And like, what's the truth? <laughs> like, what do you actually, what are you supposed to do? Like, when you Google it, you're going to be like, what? Like, stop, stop Googling. Here's what you do. All right. Exercise in pregnancy has been proven to be extremely beneficial. Bottom line, there's no study that says otherwise, unless you have a significant complication or something going on with your pregnancy. So having an OB that is thoroughly engaged and involved and knows what your goals are is the number one thing. You know, if you have been active before you got pregnant, chances are, unless something is really significantly going on with your pregnancy, and that's where your OB is going to be able to help you or your midwife, you know, you can continue doing most everything with maybe some modification. And the way I like to describe it for patients is saying the modification isn't something that you probably have to read about beforehand. It's something that you're going to figure out as you go. Okay. So running, for example, if you're a runner, you're going to be running in pregnancy. And at some point, it's probably just going to feel weird. That's the way I'm going to describe it for mm -hmm. this, this group. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel off. You're going to either feel pressure um, in your, you know, lower abdomen or your pelvic area. You're going to feel like, man, my, you know, my back's starting to hurt. I'm starting to cramp a little bit. Something's off. So if you feel something like that, eh, eh, time to stop. Mm -hmm. You know, listen to what's happening as you go. When we talk about breathing is another component of running, right? So maybe you're running and everything feels physically fine, but you're completely out of breath. You're gassed. You can't catch your breath. 
that's not good. You know, you have to think about this as you're no longer training for, again, that PR, you're training for health and wellness and function. So doing things differently isn't really the the goal here. The goal is to understand our body and how it moves and what is safe and what isn't. And literally just listening to how your body feels is going to be the first step. The other thing about breathing, since I brought that up, um, you know, we used to say like, listen to your heartbeat and calculate and one that's complicated and two, it's not great. Um, we like to refer to it now as like conversational, right? So you want to be in a place where you can have a conversation if you're exercising, running, walking, lifting, whatever it is, and you feel breathy. So maybe that you're working a little bit, you're having to like, you know, work to breathe, but you're not breathless. You should never get to the point when you're breathless or completely out of breath, because then, you know, physiologically, you're kind of how your blood and everything goes to the baby, you may be giving less oxygen to the points and places that it needs to be. But again, I think if you frame that up in pregnancy as, you know, what are your goals and what are you trying to accomplish? You probably don't need to be sprinting. Uh, it's not going to, you're not going to get a PR in sprinting when you're pregnant. If you are, then you're probably a very high level athlete. I'll make that little joke, but, um, <laughs> you know, focusing on what do you want to do? You know, like as a runner, I made it to somewhere like in my second ish trimester. And I was kind of like, this just doesn't feel right anymore. So then the, the thing to do is one, not panic. That's okay. Like that's fine. And what else can you do or what can you subsequently do that makes you feel just as good? So for me, I traded that in for walking and hiking and other things that were things that I enjoyed, but maybe didn't put as much strain on my body as the impact of running. When yeah. it comes to things like weightlifting, which you mentioned, or doing other things, again, one is kind of feeling how you feel. The and cueing into does this feel right or is this online and in line with what I am trying to accomplish in this pregnancy? Staying strong and fit? Yes, lift weights. Doing things that put you at high risk for an injury? That's not going to be fun, right? <laughs> like if you have an injury, trust me, I've taken care of women that have like fallen and broken their kneecaps when they were pregnant and I had to put them in knee braces. And I, having been a pregnant person now, like the thought of that, I'm like, I want to tell that patient, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, mm. like I couldn't imagine. So putting you in a place where you could get an injury or have a problem or tear a muscle, like that's just not worth it. Like, you know, but the, all the science has proven, you know, to suffice to say that lifting weights, walking, running, swimming, anything that doesn't involve like a high risk injury, like, you know, I don't know, first time ice skating, probably not the time to try that if you're pregnant, just because, you know, falling. Um, you can do pretty much anything if you listen to your body listen to your breathing, focus on what feels good. And the point I'm really trying to drive home is focusing on what your goals are for this pregnancy and what your goals are for this stage of life, if you will. You know, mm -hmm. the next couple of years from pregnancy to postpartum is going to be a journey and an experience and you're going to need to make adjustments and you're going to learn a lot. And it's probably going to take longer and be slower, especially if you're an athlete or an active person than you want it to be. Um, but that's okay. Um, it's just about learning and growing from it, as you said, Jen, and kind of going through that journey and that experience um, and making sure that you're you're focused on what matters in that time frame of life. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I, the one thing that I really appreciate that you keep coming back around to is just like finding the thing that you enjoy and understanding yeah. like, yes, there's something that you were doing pre-pregnancy that you really, you know, likely enjoyed a lot and that's why you continue to do it. And, you know, again, that comparison to the athlete who gets injured and the, the levels of depression we see in athletes after a major injury when they can't do their sport for a year because they're so far removed from their identity, you yes. know, I, I think that we've failed for so long to connect that in postpartum depression and depressive episodes that mom have, 
you know, after having the baby, how far they're removed emotionally from the the social things that they love in life, but also physically from being able to move and, and experience exercise and movement the way that they previously had. So, kind of digging deep in some sense and finding those activities that it's a little bit lower bar, I can do them and I still enjoy it, can probably go a long way to um, helping a, a mom postpartum feel a little more emotionally and mentally fulfilled in their movement and, and understand that they're on that on that path. Um, one question that I had kind of reaching back to the six-week appointment that you might be going into, is there like three questions? Because we talked kind of about how we, you know, moms are going to need to be advocates for themselves. And how do you go into that appointment? Is Are there like three things that you should have on mind or should make sure you ask during that appointment? Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I think I have a reel about this on my Instagram page. So if you want to go watch that, do it. Um, Definitely. <laughs> to throw it back to that. But yes. So the three things, top things that I would recommend. Number one is ask for postpartum physical therapy, pelvic floor rehab. If you have at all the means or ability, even one visit, just go. Um, having an expert in that area be able to do a full examination. And, you know, this examination will involve an exterior exam of your belly, looking at for, you know, like diastasis recti, which is the separation of the ab muscles that happens in a lot of people during pregnancy. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's something that we want to fix if we can early on. Um, they'll probably do an internal exam as well to check for the musculature in your kind of, you know, lower pelvic area, which an internal exam means like a vaginal exam with their fingers and having you, you know, tighten certain sides of your body and engage certain muscles so they can kind of feel what's going on down there. Um, and it's really important. So absolutely asking for pelvic floor rehab, number one. Number two is the new mom phase is this haze of amazing sleepless blur. I don't even know how to describe it <laughs> that I think you forget a little bit of because otherwise the human race would never have survived. Um, yeah. But making a list. That's that's tip two, actually. It's not what questions to ask. It's to make a list of the questions that come up because you're going to forget them. And you're going to go to that six-week appointment and you're going to be in a little bit of a blur and your doctor is going to be like, okay, you look great. What questions do you have? And you're going to be like, I want to go home and go to bed. Yeah. You're not going to be ready. So I use my, um, like my notes app in my phone. We all carry phones all these days, right? So just as you think of questions or as things come up or as a partner, Dom, as, as you think of questions, as you see Jen moving or as you see things happening in your day-to-day, -day, like, man, I wonder, you know, I want to take her for a hike because that's something that you guys enjoy doing together. I wonder if that's okay. Jot it down in the moment. So that way, when you go to that postpartum appointment, you have that information. Yeah. And then number three, if you are struggling and it's hard because that's an easy thing to say now that I am, you know, this far removed from it, but you're going to feel like you're struggling, but like, you don't know if you're struggling enough to say you're struggling. Like what is the line between like normal struggle and not normal struggle? That's a very hard thing to define. Make sure you speak up. So if that means struggling with your physical fitness. Say, I can't get in my bed. That's not normal. Say that to your doctor. You know, they can't help you if they don't know what's going on. And I think as postpartum patients, we try to put on a brave face because we're like, oh, you know, moms all, they all do this and it's hard and we're not sleeping and this is the normal experience. But if you don't speak up and say something, your provider who does have this wealth of knowledge, they can't help you. So if you can't get in and out of your bed, if you're having trouble with your bowels or bladder, you're leaking urine, stool, if it, you know, you're constipated, if your abdominal wall feels funny, if you feel that you are crying and in a mental health state that needs help beyond asking, you know, the questions on the questionnaire that they provide, you have to speak up to your provider. And Jen, you uh, mentioned this previously, um, but 
the quote unquote clearing at this visit for exercise, if it's anything like what we would do in sports medicine, you know, we don't quote unquote clear. That's not something that we, that's a language that we maybe use or they have used in the past, but it's antiquated. It's not something that is actually done. Your doctor will tell you, yes, it's safe to do things now, but Mm -hmm. that is a very broad thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if your doctor, Jen, tells you, you know, you're safe to do things now, what do do they mean? You know, like what specifics? So try to nail them down. You know, can I swim? If I was running up to the day I gave birth, can I start running tomorrow? You know, ask them specific questions about your physical state, if that's something that's important to you and movement and exercise is something that's important to you. Um, With mine, I believe I asked her about swimming because we lived in Arizona and it was the summertime. And I was like, can I swim now? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And I was like, can I, you know, start running again? And she was like, well, that's up to you and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that's this gap that we need to fill. But if you ask them questions, I think you might be surprised how much information they can give you. The problem is, you know, the people that are asking these questions are the the people that are usually wellness driven and, you know, health minded or have movement, you know, in their minds that they want to do. And if we don't raise those questions as, you know, that group of people, because your doctor is so concerned and worried about things that could go bad or wrong, you may not get your questions answered. So to, to go back there, making sure that you ask the questions that are on your mind, even if they don't feel like they're the ones that you should be asking, right? You're not asking about, oh, is, am I okay for, you know, this birth control or whatever you think you should be asking your doctor. Ask your doctor about, hey, I was wondering, can I start doing sit-ups again? If they don't have that answer, then you need to find someone that does. And if that's not your pelvic floor physical therapist, then you need to find someone that has that information because it really should be a graded return to function, just like the athlete that tore the ACL, like you said, Dom. So, you know, using those three things to really, get the most out of that postpartum appointment is going to help you the best you can in the system that we have set up for our moms. I think that's so huge. And especially like having that note app available and writing things down. I mean, I even did that through the pregnancy journey and knowing that I had the questions that I wanted to ask my OB. And so anything that would come to mind or I would start to learn, it was like, let me jot that down. So I remember once I go in for my next appointment and she asked me, what questions do I have? I actually have the questions prepared and ready. And I can only imagine that's going to increase even more once you have the baby and you, as you're saying, you know, having those sleepless nights and not being in your brain (laughs) the same way having something that you can refer back to is so incredibly important and having a community to support you in that yeah. and, and know I that want you're you to not be empowered alone. like yeah. as a as a patient when you go to your, your your postpartum visit I don't want you to be like oh my doctor just shouldn't worry about whether or not I can you know exercise yes they should they absolutely <laughs> should ask yeah. that question if that's something that's important to you be empowered to have the conversations that you know may feel like they're not important because, you know, you didn't have a big, you know, you're not bleeding, you're not peeing yourself. You know, at that point I could get in and out of bed, but I wasn't where I wanted to be. And being empowered to, you know, use that community, as you said, ask the questions that you want to ask. And if you don't get the answers you want, you know, find a way to get those answers. But yes, writing things down, like I still do that, to be honest, in my notes app about different things, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, writing them down in the postpartum phase and not normalizing it. I think that's the other component of writing them down is, you know, you have a a hard day where you feel like, man, I, I can't move the way I want to move or man, I, I'm leaking urine still. This isn't normal. Like, But then you normalize it because you're like, oh, that's probably just what all moms do. And you're going to be so focused taking care of this tiny baby that has all these huge needs. And in the grand scheme of things, mamas, if you're anything like myself, you kind of drop yourself down a little bit on the totem pole. That's what we 
historically do in that phase, especially, but also uh, also beyond. And you're going to be like, okay, well, I don't need to worry about that. I need to worry about taking care of this tiny baby. And yes, you need to worry about taking care of that tiny baby, but you need care too. And so writing the things down in your phone, speaking up and being empowered to ask those questions and search those answers by, you know, finding people that have that education that are certified, that are, you know, either physicians or midwives or nurse practitioners or physical therapists or whomever that are, you know, educated and can help you along the way is just, it's so important. Yeah. This has been a very good conversation because I think a lot of women feel so alone and lost, even as you did as a, as a sports MD who has a lot more information, you know, within your, your realm to still feel like, okay, this isn't supportive enough and something is missing is huge. And so I, you know, knowing that there are people who are struggling, who are feeling like they're not having questions answered, who are unsure of what to do or where to go or where to turn to, I think you are creating a great community. So again, Sports Dr. Morgan or Sports Dr. Morgan on social media, I think is a great place to start building that community, not feeling so alone, having some tools available um, and having you to be able to ask questions to. That's that's incredible. You're you're really helping to give back to this community that is so incredibly needed. So thank you so much for being here to drop this information and this knowledge and get people, you know, the answers that they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we need to think about this as another kind of way we can educate and empower. And, you know, pregnancy has been studied and shown to cause the physiologic demands like treating athletes. It really has. So like why we can do so much better. And thank you guys for having me on here to be able to start sharing that information. Hopefully the conversation can continue. And I would love to hear, Jen, about your experience um, after your baby's born, about, you know, kind of what you do and how you get back to the function that you want to have. And yeah, I think this is a this is the beginning of hopefully a very exciting conversation for people. And I'm just I'm really excited to be a part of it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Dr. Morgan. I know that the community that you have online and on your website is going to help lots of people. So we'll have all that linked up down below and hopefully we get to talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Such a great conversation with Dr. Morgan and one that I know we continue to need to have about how we can treat the process differently postpartum and in pregnancy on empowering mothers in their journey. If you're interested in her community or her website that's linked up down below, please consider leaving a rating and review on this podcast that just helps more and more people continue to get this information, pass this along to anybody you think may need it. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.